0: Hey, I'm Christy and thank you for tuning in. Throughout my life, I have had a fascination with the darker side of life and I think knowledge is super powerful. So I am here spreading information about true crime cases because I believe it is important. I also dabble in conspiracy theories, aliens, and the paranormal. If you find that interesting, please consider subscribing, sharing, and liking my content as it really helps show support and helps get it to more people. The case I want to discuss today has been highly covered in the international news. Everyone was fascinated by the spectacle that surrounded the investigation and was shocked by the results of the case. As you may have guessed by the title, today I want to discuss Casey Anthony and the murder of her three-year-old child, Kaylee. Like I said, this case was highly covered in the um, all sorts of media, So I'm not sure how much I have to add, but I feel like there has got to be some lesson from this case that can be learned. And there was an unexpected outcome in this case. So after I present the information, please let me know what you think. Was Casey innocent or did she steal the life from her own child? In the state of Florida, they have a very open public record law which meant that while the case was still unfolding, the media and ultimately the public was given the information immediately, causing quite a media sensation. The world was tuning in to see what happened to little Kaylee. I'm not a legal professional. I do have a paralegal degree and have worked as a legal assistant, but I cannot give legal advice and would not want to. My legal advice is to seek the advice of a licensed attorney. Any information that I discuss or state is alleged unless proven otherwise in a court of law. I am presenting this information for entertainment purpose and for open discussion about the information that is already made public. I'd love for you to join in on the discussion. So if you're interested, you can find the podcast on social media. Um, Right now, I have a Facebook page. I know, I'm kind of old, but whatever. (laughs) And there's also a group there. I have an Instagram. And I also just joined Threads. So um, please find those groups or pages. Um, Give me a like, comment. Let's um, get in on this discussion and see what you think. Um, I'd really love to hear. So thanks. It is not 100% certain what happened to little Kaylee or what day she lost her life exactly, but the evidence points to it occurring on or around June 15th of 2008. Casey did not willingly speak to the media during the investigation, during the trial, or after. It wasn't until recently, November 29th, 2022 to be exact, when a three-part docuseries was released titled Where the Truth Lies. And it is touted as being the truth behind everything that actually happened straight from Casey's mouth. If you're interested in seeing it or if you haven't seen it before, if you must, it is a feature on Peacock. So that is where you can find it if you feel like you must see it. But I'm going to try to describe a little bit of it and give you my point of view from it to save you a watch. But I remember when Kaylee's case was unfolding and everyone was talking about it and tuning in to see if the police were able to find little Kaylee. As everyone was told by Casey, the Kaylee had been dropped off to her nanny 31 days previously and has not been seen since. This caused everyone to tune in for updates and offer assistance to try to help to find little Kaylee while others were offering their prayers. Everyone was holding out hope that she would be found safe and sound. Casey was put on trial, And to everyone's surprise, she was found not guilty and released. At the time that everything was unfolding, I remember not being able to avoid hearing about the investigation and the trial. And I wasn't hanging on every detail. And after her release, I was shocked and thought that she was guilty from what I had learned about it. But then I also figured that there must have been other factors that were discussed during the trial that at the very least added a shadow of doubt. And in the United States court system, if there is another plausible scenario that casts a shadow of doubt over the possibility that the accused was the actual perpetrator, then you cannot find them guilty. But honestly, I feel that the prosecution rushed to charge and prosecute Casey before they were able to build a strong enough case, due to the public outcry and media attention, which resulted in the verdict of not guilty. Which is such a shame, because she she's allowed to go on about her life while her beautiful little baby girl was ripped from this world. So years went by after the trial, and then in 2022, I had been heavily interested in, in the true crime community and I hear that Casey Anthony is releasing a documentary from her point of view. My honest first response was, ugh, uh, I'm sick of hearing about her, and I wish she would just go away. I don't think she deserves the attention, so I didn't watch it right away. But I kept seeing ads about it, and since it had been years since the case, I had forgotten a lot about what had happened, so I did end up turning it on. And it's uh, well put together from their point of view, especially if you don't remember all of the details of the case. And while watching, I started to feel like maybe I had been super wrong this whole time. Maybe she really was a victim of a terrible sexual assault her entire life. And there was then this horrible accident, which led to Kaylee losing her life. And then due to being from never being forced to hold accountability for anything, Casey handled the accident incredibly poorly, muddying the waters of the case, leading to the huge to the huge spectacle that we all saw unfold. So after watching the docu series, I started to chat with Chris, my spouse, about the case. And I couldn't stop thinking about it, which led me to decide to start looking into the case again. Find all of the details I could. To see if I can make up my mind on what I think actually happened. So I'm going to start from the docuseries and go over what Casey alleges was her actual point of view. And then I'm going to go back in chronological order from the facts that we have from Casey's birth up into the trial. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope to present the facts and known details of everything that has happened regarding this case without adding my own bias too heavily into what I am presenting. I do believe personally that Casey got away with murder, allegedly, but please feel free to let me know if you agree with my opinion or if not. Let's just try to remember that no matter what, Kaylee, a little, beautiful baby girl, lost her life way too soon. So just want us all to be respectful. And just as a quick aside that I found interesting while researching, Nancy Grace, who I am not really a fan of, but was heavily involved in the media coverage um, during the investigation and leading up to the trial, was asked to be involved in the docu series, but she declined it, stating that the conditions that they presented to her for an interview were not allowing her to ask anything hard-hitting, and it was all geared where Nancy wouldn't be allowed to cross-examine any claims that Casey made or may make. I bring that up because that tells me right away that this quote-unquote docuseries is not about facts and truths, but instead has an agenda. You may have seen the docuseries, but it starts with Casey arriving to a house that the production teams rented for this docuseries, and they make a big deal right off the bat stating that this house was rented at an undisclosed location to protect Casey and her privacy. Which I understand, not wanting to put out there where she lives, everyone should be allowed privacy, but aren't most interviews held in locations outside where the interviewee resides? And, It's not like they are releasing this interview live. They recorded it well in advance of it being released, so there's no need to state for it to be an immediate grab at the viewer to make you feel sorry for Casey and to put her in the victim light from the start. It has been reported that Casey is afraid of the public because she's one of the most hated women in the world. Yet there have been a lot of people that have shared things on social media as well as the general press that have captured her out and about and around Florida just living her life. And she doesn't really ever look distressed or like she feels in danger. I'm sure that people have probably said things to her, and I know that during the investigation and around the trial, there were protesters outside of the Anthony home demanding answers. And she had a difficult time finding employment after the trial, but anyways. I think that the docuseries was a desperate money grab, as well as Casey's attempt to try to change the narrative in the true crime community and the public at large. Especially now that it has been many years, and she's faded a bit from the spotlight. Not everyone remembers exactly what happened. The series could have been one episode, but they added a lot of unnecessary video footage of Casey wandering around on the beach taking pictures, as that had always been a passion of hers, and she attempted to start a photography business after the trial, which was unsuccessful. There's a lot of long, drawn-out moments of Casey crying without tears. She would put her face in her hands or scrunch up her face while sighing and increasing her breath, but there were only a few times she actually cried. There are also several different times where she says how she just wishes everyone knew her side, and there's finally, this is finally her chance to tell everyone her side even though this entire thing has been manufactured by her. And she has tried to manipulate and make sure everyone hears her side. But she's given several narratives. And she keeps alluding to this idea that there is something no one knows and the truth of what actually happened. There are also times in the docuseries where the interviewer um, questions Casey on her odd behavior surrounding the investigation and during the trial where she was seen completely stone-faced or she was stoic or even annoyed when hearing the details of the case or being questioned on those details. Her only comment is that she was just so numb throughout all of this. It was so weird, she says. But then the interviewer doesn't question her or push her further on those comments. There was a lot of Casey just reiterating what the interviewer said without actually answering or addressing the situation, very much like a politician likes to answer a question. Eventually in the third episode, Casey finally reveals her truth and puts all of the blame on her father, George, which isn't new information, because it is the exact narrative the defense used in trial. She stated that George sexually molested her throughout her entire childhood until she was around 11 or 12. She stated it was not actually penetrable intercourse, but she hasn't released exactly what she meant by being molested. She also blames her older brother, stating that he began sexually assaulting her shortly after her father stopped. To me, if George truly did treat Casey the way she claims, then it could potentially explain the extremely odd behavior during the time leading up to the, and during the trial. I also want so badly to be able to believe all women, but she doesn't provide any proof at all. Um, just what she says is her word, and the facts don't point in the direction that she keeps trying to push them towards. She hasn't been interviewed for years and years, and now she's had a chance to gather all of her own lies and make sure that the story she's going to provide can answer the questions that many people have about her guilt and this case, and to again, push a spotlight off of herself. The interviewer asked Casey at one point, why now? Why are you coming forward now after all this time? And Casey says with a hitch in her voice, like she's trying not to cry, I just need someone to be willing to listen. And I spent the last 10 years making sure that I knew who I was, that I started to cope with this loss, and that I had something to say to make my daughter proud, but also to honor her properly, unquote. Casey says it's hard to be the only one that can answer everyone's questions about what happened to Kaylee. Casey admits that she was a liar growing up and that she did lie during the investigation, claims that nowadays she is completely honest, direct, and blunt, and had learned from her prior mistakes. Her legal defense team helped her get on her feet after the trial, and she's been working for her defense attorney, Pat McKenna. If you don't know or don't remember what happened, back when the case was unfolding, Casey provided a lot of lies to the investigators about what happened leading up to her parents tracking her down and calling 911 to finally report Kaylee missing, about a month after the last time she was spotted alive. Casey did not once tell anyone that has been involved in this case that Kaylee was missing. She did not call the police or call anyone of authority. Once she was literally forced to speak to the investigators, she tells them that she was going through, quote, other means, but those other means were never detailed in any capacity, and there's no evidence at all that she was making any attempt in any way to search for Kaylee. But she says she can explain all of that. In the docuseries, Casey claims that, yes, she did lie a lot, but it was for a reason. It was all she knew and what she was taught to do you know, because she never takes full responsibility for her actions. Casey also admits in the docuseries that every lie she told had a kernel of truth in it. When asked why she lied, then she says she has been lying her entire life. It's what she knows. And she's been attending therapy for years, trying to understand why she does what she does. All of this is a reaction to trauma, she says. She's been trying to hide from her trauma since 2008 and lock it away and not think about it. She admits that she made herself look crazy in front of the police and didn't give them any way to believe her, but this wasn't her fault. This is what she knew to do. In her family, you were never allowed to show any cracks and you had to be perfect. And it would seem that she wasn't far from the truth there. Her family, in my opinion, is a bit of a hot mess. Cindy and George were constantly setting the stage. You lie to get out of accountability. Cindy and George definitely care about how people view their family way more than they actually care about fixing any of the cracks. But they didn't do anything to adjust behaviors or take accountability or handle any issues. Just deny, deny. So let's kind of go back to the beginning. Casey Anthony was born to George and Cindy Anthony on March 19th in 1986. She also has an older brother named Lee, who was four years old when she was born. I'm not gonna go too far into George and Cindy because there's already so much information to go over, but from what I've learned while studying this case, George and Cindy had always cared very much about their public persona, and they didn't seem to be very many consequences for Casey when she would be in the wrong. George is a former cop and Cindy a registered nurse. It was said that Casey was very popular and they were all very close when she was young. George was previously married prior to meeting Cindy and his ex-wife did not have very many nice things to say about him, including that he was a liar and a compulsive gambler. Casey played sports in school and was very energetic and intelligent. She's always been known for being more interested in male friends than female and when started high school is when the compulsive lying reportedly began. In her senior year of high school, she completely stopped attending school, and a couple weeks before graduation, she lied to her parents and said that her cap and gown was actually not ordered by the school. Then a couple days before the grad ceremony, the guidance counselor called and told them that she was short credits and would not be graduating. Casey then told her parents after the meeting that this was the school's fault because when they created her schedule, they actually shorted her credits, but they didn't let her know that she was actually short these credits to graduate until it was too late. Cindy and George believed all of this, and they even attended the graduation ceremony even though Casey wasn't honored because they couldn't face the truth and they were telling others in attendance of the ceremony that there was a mix-up with Casey, and she did graduate, just wasn't able to walk. George and Cindy seemed to choose to save face over letting it be known that things might not be perfect, and addressing those issues head-on to learn from them. Instead, they chose to bury their head in the sand. Casey's childhood best friend later admitted that to know Casey was to know that she was a liar all the time, While this friend also stated that she thinks a horrible accident caused Kaylee to pass away, and Casey did what she does best and lied about it because she doesn't know how to process stress. When discussing this case, many people throw around the term pathological liar, so I wanted to break that down a little bit and explain what exactly that means and why I don't believe it really relates to Casey. This term pathological liar is used to describe someone who is in very little to no control over their lies with the individual receiving little to no benefit or having no internal motivation to lie. Casey's lies are orchestrated to absolve her of guilt and have clear, thought-out motivation behind them. For that, I believe that it's not a pathological thing for her. In 2005, Casey became pregnant with Kaylee, but she did not tell anyone and kept it secret until Kaylee's birth. Cindy and George and Casey's older brother Lee stated that when Casey was pregnant, Cindy asked her outright whether she was pregnant, and Casey was adamant to her that she was not. Casey even wore a very tight dress to a relative's wedding, which accentuated her bump, causing relatives to question if she was expecting, and yet she told everyone, I'm not pregnant, I'm just bloated. But then on August 9th of 2005, Kaylee was born. Casey was not forthcoming with who the father was, and to this day, it is still not known. Cindy was overjoyed to be a grandmother and adored her granddaughter. Cindy and George welcomed Casey to stay with them and assisted with raising Kaylee. She was their world. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the two of them absolutely loved their granddaughter and their daughter. From the time that Kaylee is born until Father's Day of 2008, Cindy and George would take care of Kaylee a lot so that Casey could work or so she could have a bit of a social life since she was still quite young. It is reported that Cindy would get frustrated with Casey at times and would be checking in with her and questioning where she's going and questioning some of the choices that Casey was making as a young adult and single mother. Casey would also bring Kaylee with her to her friend's house so that she could spend time with her friends, and they reportedly enjoyed having Kaylee around and said that Casey was a good mother who really loved her daughter and would take good care of her when Casey would bring Kaylee around. But they saw Casey without Kaylee more and more frequently prior to Kaylee going missing. They reported that in those first couple of years, Casey was not hanging around with the group as much because she was raising a child. Casey didn't go out with her friends as much and stayed home with Kaylee because that's what you have to do as a parent, even as a young one. And I know as a young mother that it was a difficult thing to transition, especially at the beginning. So on Father's Day, June 15th, 2008, Casey and her parents got into another argument. And it was a reported that the night before, Cindy confronted Casey again about her behavior and actions. Constantly leaving Kaylee in Cindy and George's care when Casey was with her friends or quote unquote working, and she threatened to petition the court for custody of Kaylee, which resulted in Casey taking Kaylee and leaving the Anthony home. This is the last time that Kaylee is seen alive. Casey was 22 years old, and it was two months before Kaylee's third birthday. Was this what happened? Casey may have freaked out and harmed Kaylee to hurt her parents and free herself of the responsibility so she could leave her parents' house and go about her life that she so desired. Allegedly. Bella Levita. As a t- tattoo she got where Kaylee was missing stated, the beautiful life in Italian. Casey's car was registered to George Anthony But after she left the Anthony home, the car was in her possession until about a month later when George received a phone call from an in-pound lot. Casey couch surfed with friends a little bit during these 31 days that Kaylee was reported missing, but she mainly stayed at her boyfriend Tony's house. Kaylee is not seen with her. Her friends report asking where Kaylee is, and she either tells them that she is with her parents, Cindy and George, or she is with Zanny the Nanny. Casey's friends that came forward also advised that Casey never mentioned Kaylee was missing, nor did she seem upset or worried about anything. And to this day, Casey has never called 911 or contacted the police in any way to let anyone know that Kaylee was missing or in trouble. No one that is known to be involved in the case has known that Casey mentioned anything pertaining to the whereabouts of Kaylee, except her story that she dropped her off to the nanny. During this time, Casey also steals personal checks from her friends. She steals money from her grandparents, money from her parents' purse. She would sneak into the Anthony home and take items and then leave before they caught her, as well as stealing gas cans from her parents' house that were filled with gasoline so she could put gas in her car to drive around. When confronted about the gas cans, George had threatened to call the cops if she didn't return them. So she showed up and threw them at him saying, here's your fucking gas cans. Throughout the investigation, she is seen being very harsh and demanding of both of her parents, which if George was the abuser, she says he is. This is not typical behavior for someone who is speaking to their abuser. It's almost never confrontational as to not want to provoke an attack. Casey was also seen at several nightclubs and parties during the time that Kaylee was missing. For the latest docuseries, Casey admits that she used to work at Universal Studios as a freelance photographer, but not during the time which would apply to this timeline of events. But during the time Kaylee was missing, Casey now claims that when she told Cindy she was working, that she wasn't technically lying, because she was working, just not at Universal. Instead, she was a nightclub promoter and was getting paid for those nightly outings. There is some evidence that she was a, like, a shot girl and promoted some things at clubs in that capacity. And her boyfriend, Tony, was involved in the nightclub scene and was a promoter. She also later claims that she was actively working during this time to save money to move out of her parents' home. But why was she also stealing fuel for her car? and money from her friends and from her loved ones. I guess you still could be, but really? She used this to add to her narrative that she was trying to escape her parents' home because of the abuse that she allegedly was subjected to by her dad and brother, and by her mom being allegedly compliant in this happening. Since Casey left with Kaylee in June, Cindy had been trying to contact Casey to find out where they are, ask about Kaylee, ask to see Kaylee, ask to speak to her, and each time, Casey either would blow her off or give her an excuse as to why they couldn't come back or why she couldn't speak with Kaylee. She would say things like, she's sleeping, or I'm at work, or say that she was with the nanny. On July 15th, George Anthony picks up the Mazda that Casey was using. Like I said, it was in George and Cindy's name and an impound lot contacted George to notify that the car had been there for quite some time and was racking up quite a high storage fee. When he arrived to pick up the car, he is astonished at the smell that permeates the entire car. He notes that on the way back home, he had to drive with all of the windows down because it was so intense. This smell lingered and lingered. The manager of this impound lot would later testify during the trial to how intense the smell was and how his experience he had been witness to several dead bodies in cars and he was sure that that was the smell once the investigation began there were air samples taken of this smell and one of the investigators stated that when he received those air samples and opened them to begin his assessment of them, the sample was still overwhelmingly strong. At the same time, Cindy finally tracks down Casey. She finds her at her boyfriend Tony's house and forces her to get in Cindy's car and come back to the Anthony home. There are three separate 911 calls made by Cindy during this time.
1: I'm, I drove to a police department here on Pershing, but you guys are closed. I need to bring someone into the police department. Can you tell me where I can, the closest one I can come into?
2: What What are you trying to accomplish by bringing them to the station?
1: I have a 22-year-old person that has um, grand theft sitting in my auto with me.
2: So the 22-year-old person stole something? Yeah. Is this a relative? Yeah. Where did they steal it from?
1: Um... My car and also money.
2: Okay. Is this your son? daughter. Okay. So your daughter stole money from your car?
1: No. My car was stolen. We retrieved it today. We found out where it was at. We retrieved it. I've got that. And I've got affidavit for my banking account. I want to bring her in. I okay. want to press target.
2: Where- that's actually going to be in the jurisdiction of the sheriff's office, ma'am, not okay. the Orlando or Police Department.
1: All righty.
2: Let me transfer you over to the communications section for Orange County.
1: Okay. Now- my next thing will be down the trout thing, and we'll have a court order together. If that's what you want to say, we'll do it, and you'll never well then you have no i'm not giving you another day i've given you
0: a month and cindy admits in one of the calls that the car smells like quote there was a dead body in the car unquote and things were not making sense and that kaylee was missing the 911 operator asks to speak with casey who begrudgingly gets on the phone and provides her bullshit story she sounds annoyed during the call And Casey tells the operator and the detectives that arrived at the Anthony home that 31 days ago, Casey drops Kaylee off at her babysitter's house, and she has not seen her since. She alleges that the babysitter's name is Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez. And Casey also says that she has been attempting to go through other means to locate Kaylee without police involvement or without the assistance of anyone that has been involved in this case at all.
1: 911, what's your emergency? <laughs> I called a little bit ago, the deputy sheriff, said I found out my granddaughter has been taken, she has been missing for a month, her mother finally admitted that she's been missing. Okay what is, is, here now. okay, what is the address that you're calling from? We're talking about a three-year-old little girl. My daughter finally admitted that the baby's in the store. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that your the baby is where? It, said it took her a month ago that my daughter's been looking for i told you my daughter was missing for a month i just found her today but i can't find my granddaughter and she just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her herself there's something wrong i found my daughter's car today and it smells like there's been a dead body in the car okay what is the three-year-old's name kaylee c-a-y-l-e-e anthony how long has she been missing for? I have not seen her since the 7th of June. So it's Karen missing! Karen took a month ago? Okay, I just, can, I need, I, I understand. Can you just, can you calm down for me for just a minute? And I need to know what's going on, okay? I'm going to try and stop. Is your, is your daughter there? I'm on the phone with them. Is your daughter there? Yes. Can I speak with her? I called them two hours ago. They haven't gotten here. Can you Finally, I met him. I met Ma'am, okay, can to talk? They want to talk to you. Oh, we have a different question. Answer the question. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hi. Well, can you can you tell me what's going on a little bit? I'm sorry. Can you tell me a little bit what's going on? My daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. No. And you know who has her? I know who has her. I have tried to contact her. I actually received a phone call today now from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a moment, about a minute. Okay, did you guys call and report a vehicle stolen? Um, yes, my mom did. Okay. Okay, okay, so there's been a vehicle okay. stolen too? No, this was my vehicle. What vehicle was stolen? Um, it's a 98 Pontiac Sunfire. Okay, I have deputies on the way to you right now for that. Now you're, now you're three old okay, your three-year-old daughter's missing. Kaylee Anthony? Yes. White Kayleigh female? Anthony. Yes, white female. Three years old, eight, nine, 2005, her date of birth? Yes. And you last saw her a month ago? 31 days. Some 31 days. Who has her? Do you have, do you have a name? Her name is Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez. Who is that? Babysitter. She's, she's been my nanny for about a year and a half, almost two years. Can, can, why? Why are you calling now? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? I've been looking for her and have gone through other resources to try to find her, which was stupid. Okay. Can you can you give me the name of the the nanny again? Like spell it out for me. Zenaida. Z e n a i d a.
0: The investigation begins. July 16th of 2008, detectives speak to the property manager at the alleged apartment complex that the babysitter supposedly lived at, and they call Universal Studios, where Casey has stated she's been working to confirm and verify her alibi. Throughout these conversations, they learn that no one has lived at the apartment for quite some time, and that she once was a subcontractor for Universal Studios in the photography area, If you've ever been to a major theme park when you walk into the gates and sometimes in different areas throughout the park there are people there to take your picture that's what she did but this was her previous job and she had not been working there in quite some time the detectives decide to take casey to the apartment complex where allegedly zenaida the babysitter lived and who has supposedly been babysitting for casey for the last two years as the police already know, the alleged apartment is completely vacant and no one has lived in the apartment for quite some time. Casey claims that this isn't true, that Zenaida has lived here, and this is where she dropped Kaylee off. A woman named Zenaida Gonzalez sued Casey because she claimed that due to Casey's bogus claims that she had lost her apartment, she lost her job, she got angry phone calls, and was treated like she was a child kidnapper. It was determined that this woman, who is not a nanny, and Casey both visited an apartment complex on the same day and filled out an information card while there. The information that Casey provided to the police when they were asking about the alleged Zanny the nanny, the name, the make and model of her car, and two of her children's names all matched the information on the card. But Casey still says that she did meet Zenaida, who was a nanny. She just wasn't her nanny. And that was her kernel of truth, which wasn't even true. Detectives then take Casey to Universal Studios. Once they arrive at the security gate, Casey boldly walks up to the desk and tells the security guard her name. They say they don't have her listed as an employee, and she argues with them for a while. There's some back and forth and the guard is like, sorry, there's no one by that name or the name of your supervisor or the name of your manager. Finally, the detectives ask the supervisor on staff if it would be okay since they are escorting her if they enter the premises and she takes them to where she works and they agree. Casey confidently walks in and heads off in the direction with the detectives following behind. She's periodically waving at random people in the halls like she knows them, who then wave back at her, but more in a, like, who is this person waving at me? Kind of, like, questioning way. But then finally, Casey turns down a hall, which is a dead end, and she just kind of stops and turns around and looks at the detectives and then admits, okay, I don't actually work here. Like, how kind of looney tunes do you have to be? I can kind of understand lying everyone lies from time to time, but to actually continue on like that until you absolutely cannot lie anymore. I just can't understand the mindset. I'm also such a passive non-confrontational person most of the time, so my my anxiety could just never do that. Police bring her into the conference room where they can start to question her about her lies and end up placing her under arrest for lying to police.
2: Uh, before we want on tape about your cell phones.
3: Yes, wow. I have two phones. I just received a new phone through work through mm-hmm. Universal. Um, the phone won't keep charged, so I use my old phone that I actually had gotten again through Universal for work. Okay.
2: You, did you lose a phone? Yes. Was that your personal phone?
3: It was my personal phone, but I also use it for business. Okay. What's your what's the number
2: for the phone that you lost? Um, Four
3: zero seven. Six one
2: nine, nine eight six. It's the same, that number. same number. Yes, it's you still the same the number. Phone. I just lost the phone. And in that phone, you're saying was the SIM card, and the SIM card had the information. Actually,
3: the SIM card is in my Nokia phone, but I know there's numbers saved to the cell phone itself. So if we get the actual phone, I know I have one other number for Zaneta, and probably a number for Jeff besides work numbers and. But they're not in your SIM card? They're not saved on the SIM card, they're saved on the phone. I've been trying to figure out on that new phone how to save numbers from the phone to the SIM card and switch them back and forth. So that way I have everything all in one piece.
2: Okay, so the phone where you had the number saved was lost?
3: Yes, I filed an incident report.
2: But how did you end up keeping the SIM card?
3: I had taken it out. I know I left the phone on my desk at work after I'd switched the SIM card back to my old phone because this was the phone that actually would keep charge. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to have a working phone instead of having a phone that would only stay charged for about a half hour and then it would die and I can't make any more calls.
2: It's for me not practical. After you switched the same card is when the phone went. I
3: I know I left it on my desk and I hadn't been at work for at least three or
2: four days. And you said you made the report to Universal? Yes, with security, nine days ago. Nine days ago? Saying that everything contained in these statements are true and accurate? Yes. Also, before I turned on the recorder, I gave you a chance because I wanted to e- explain what happens if if you make a false report or if there's something about this incident that you're not telling us the truth of. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure I made it perfectly clear that, you know, if you want to go ahead and, and rescind this statement and if you want to tell me a different story about what happened, mm-hmm. if you're basically if you're trying to, to fabricate a story to kind of make something look a little bit better mm-hmm. now is your time to tell me are you telling me that this is the story you want to stick with it's
3: the truth it's the story you want to
2: with yes.
0: okay. um. on july 22nd casey is declared a person of interest on august 20th casey posts bond and returns to the anthony home but then on august 30th casey's bond is rescinded and she is charged with allegedly stealing and cashing checks from a friend On September 5th, she postponed again, but then by the end of the month, she is then rearrested and returns to jail until the trial. On October 14th, the court brings charges against Casey, and she is charged with murder. On October 24th, the forensic report from her car is released, including her hair samples, there is carpet samples, presence of chloroform, smell and air samples from the trunk, and these will be brought up during the court proceedings. And then finally, on December 11th of 2008, Kaylee's remains are found. She's been wrapped in her Winnie the Pooh blanket, then placed within a cloth laundry bag, which investigators later find is sold in a set of two, and the matching bag was located within the Anthony home. And then those items were placed with inside a trash bag, And it appears that duct tape may also have been used to keep everything closed and wrapped up. During the trial, the prosecution will testify that it also has been used to cover Kaylee's mouth. Unfortunately, most likely due to the length of time these items were left out in the elements and were probably subject to predation, it is difficult to tell whether the duct tape was ever forcibly placed over her mouth. Or if it ended up there while out in the swampy green area where she was found. A utility worker named Roy Crunk had been working in the area around the Anthony home for the last several months. In August, he saw something suspicious looking in that green natural area located within the neighborhood. Due to it being Florida, the natural green area was swampy and depending on the time of year, they can be flooded and muddy And there's also venomous snakes and alligators to contend with. And so it's safe to say they can be very difficult to traverse during different times of the year. And then during other times of the year, it is more dry. Roy had called 911 on three separate occasions from August to December to report what he saw. When police arrived in August, they couldn't get into the area far enough without sinking into the mud And there were rattlesnakes in the area that Roy saw and took pictures of. So Roy stated that they did a quick cursory search and concluded it wasn't anything. According to an ABC News article, Roy stated, quote, He, the police officer, went to the water's edge. I pointed to where it was at. He just swept his head back and forth and said, I don't see anything. And pretty much that was it, unquote. On December 11th, he again investigates the area and was able to reach the plastic bag slash laundry bag, and he used his metal meter stick that he had with him, and he moved the bag around and even picked up her skull with the stick, confirming that these were human remains, and so he then left everything in its place and returned to the truck to call the police, who arrived at the scene to discover and collect the remains. On December 20th, the remains are confirmed to be Kaylee. Then, on January 23rd of 2009, George Anthony is arrested on suspicion after he had failed to commit suicide, but he is then released. On April 13th of 2009, prosecutors advise that they will seek the death penalty against Casey. Casey remains in jail for two years awaiting trial. She later says that when she was in jail, she was so alone and had no one in her corner, yet her parents visited her constantly while in jail. And during these visits, Casey is bubbly and really over the situation, and Cindy and George just seem completely wrecked. Casey, you don't realize that the
4: whole United States is looking for Kaylee? I know that Mom. Her cover's going to be on People Magazine in a few days. Okay. Everybody is looking for her.
3: Oh, good.
4: Hi. Hi, sweetie. You can, we've, been, we've been watching you for so long. You have I love you. I love you, too. Hi. <laughs> we've been seeing you sitting down.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was talking with one of the doctors.
4: We we forgive anything that you've said.
3: Oh, done. hold on. on. Can we turn the volume down? Yeah, you can probably hear it. I haven't said anything, don't worry.
4: No, I didn't get a chance to ask Lee. Um, Can you look up a little bit more? Raise your eyes up a little bit. There you go, so now, look straight up so I can look into your eyes, darling, thank you. I need, you know I need to do that. I gave Lee the password. Please look up, sweetheart. I need to see your Uh, eyes. I want to be able to look at you guys, too. I can't look at you and look at the camera. Well, you don't have to look at the camera. Look at me. I'm looking at you. I want to ask you just a couple questions. God. I know the pictures with Kaylee in Zanny's apartment. Is is Zanny's apartment the one with the drums? She had a drum set, yes. The one in the picture...
3: I think there are even other pictures. I told Lee to look through
4: everything. Okay, is that Zanny's apartment? Because I know whose apartment it is. Is it Zanny's apartment? That exact apartment, no, that was Ricardo's apartment. It was set up a lot like Zanny's apartment. Do you think Zanny's acting by herself or does she have help? I don't know, mom. I, I haven't been able to talk to anybody. I don't know good morning good
1: morning
2: beautiful i love you
3: hi i love you too why is she crying already
4: because we haven't seen you
3: i know hey hold on
4: one second you know i want to take your pain away from you so you you can tell me anything
3: i know that dad
4: i miss you sweetie i know that
3: i miss you too
4: i wish i could have been a better dad and better grandpa you know
3: You've been a great dad, and you've been the best grandfather. Don't for a second think otherwise.
4: Well, you know you and mom
3: have been the best grandparents. Kaylee's been so lucky. Kaylee is so lucky to have both of you. You, (laughs) you. I can't even put into words how glad I am that she's had both of you, and that she still has both of you. Yeah, I wanted to see Dad. I mean, I wanted to see everybody, but I had to choose, and I wanted to see Dad. All right. Well, then here, talk to your Dad. Hey, sweetheart.
1: Hey.
3: hey listen, I want you to know, you are the boss through this whole thing, okay? Well, no, I'm not anymore, Dad. I haven't been since I got oh, here. Oh yes. Oh yes, you are. You, you, you are the. Th- think of this for a second.
1: <laughs> dad, you, I've been. Listen, listen, okay, okay, listen. No, no, just thinking listen to me about just
3: for this. one moment. Okay, just listen to me for one second, okay? Listen. Think of uh, you—you owning this conglomerate, this huge business. Jose is one of your employees. So is the sheriff's department. So is the FBI. So am I. So is Lee. So is Mom. You know, we're we're all working. Dad, to say, i've told jose no i've given him the information to give you guys we've given the information you guys have given everything to the police they're not helping us it's obvious we know their intentions so i'm sorry i've helped in every way that i possibly can since the day i got here
4: okay they but let me didn't ask-
3: even give me 24 hours to help them the police
1: without putting me here
0: Casey admits during these visits that friends had come to visit her and share that they believe in her and are on her side. There are many recorded conversations during this time. One of them that I wanted to call out occurred prior to Kaylee's remains being found, and the conversation was between Casey and either Cindy or Casey's friend Christina. I've seen it reported as both, but Casey is asking for her boyfriend Tony's phone number, And the other person is crying and saying quote casey if anything happens to kaylee i will die unquote casey says super irritated quote oh my god calling you was just a waste i just need tony's number unquote and the other person is like does tony know what happened or have anything to do with what happened to kaylee and Casey is just angry and annoyed that they won't give her what she wants and are instead putting only their focus on the whereabouts of Kaylee. But Casey is not helpful and does not want to offer assistance at all to find her. On May 24th of 2011, trial begins with accusations from both sides. You can find videos of the entire trial and there is a ton of coverage out there if you want to see and hear all of the nitty gritty. Um, This is already so quite long, so I'm just going to give you a quick overview of the trial. The prosecution states that Casey chloroformed Kaylee and used duct tape to subdue her, then placed her in the trunk of her car so that she could go out partying and be with her friends and just live her life like she never had a child. Then she possibly wrapped her remains in Kaylee's Winnie the Pooh blanket and placed her in the cloth laundry basket from the house, placed that inside a trash bag, And then dumped her in the Green Natural Area where she was later discovered. During the trial, the defense revealed that Casey was paid $200,000 by ABC News for photos and videos of Kaylee during the trial. CBS News also reportedly paid $20,000 in licensing fees to Cindy and George. Casey's own brother, Lee Anthony, took the stand against her, stating that she kept Kaylee away from their family because she was a quote-unquote, spiteful bitch. He also described the awful smell in the car as offensive. During trial, the defense team presents to the court that Casey was lying, but it was for a good reason. She knew this whole time that Kaylee was dead. It was just a horrible accident where Kaylee drowned in the swimming pool and George helped Casey cover it up because George had been molesting Casey most of her life and wanted to keep her and everything quiet. Later in the docu-series, Casey used this same narrative. Casey states that on the day Kaylee died, she was taking a nap and was jolted awake by George screaming, where's Kaylee? Where's Kaylee? And Casey said that Kaylee usually slept in her room with her to protect her from George. They both then ran around the house and outside looking for Kaylee and Casey says she didn't even make it out back when she saw George holding Kaylee who was soaking wet and she had drowned in the pool. Casey says that George was yelling at her saying this was all her fault for not keeping a better eye on her and Casey starts to freak out. And then George says it's all going to be okay and takes Kaylee away and tells Casey to just get cleaned up and go on about her day and he'll take care of everything. So Casey had intentionally lied to the investigators and intentionally derailed their investigation and wasted everyone's time when she already knew that Kaylee was dead from an accident. And instead of presenting that information to the cops, when she was faced with being tried for murder, and blame for that situation. She doesn't once mention anything to the investigators to take the blame off herself and put the light on George to be investigated. Now, she drops this accusation in the middle of court when the investigation has already concluded and the prosecution is forced to hurriedly try to look into the accusation to see if it can be verified at all. If it dissuades the jury because it gives them a probable cause, even though it seems to be a completely baseless lie. Why did Casey allow herself and her daughter to live there when she's afraid for her child, knowing what he did to her as a child? When later questioned on this, Casey says, well, I blocked it all out. And I didn't remember the abuse until all of a sudden it came rushing back to me during the trial." But she then also admits to that three different occurrences when it all came rushing back to her, which were all at different times after Kaylee went missing. So then why did you say that Kaylee was sleeping in your room with you all the time to protect her from your family when you say you didn't remember that it was occurring? Why did you leave Kaylee in your parents' care quite often so that you could go out with your friends? It just doesn't add up. She also says another time in the docu-series that she was working that whole month that Kaylee was missing at these nightclubs where there's very little record of any actual employment or financial gain to save up money so that she could get a place for her and Kaylee. But these jobs were during the time that Kaylee was missing, yet not missing because she says there was an accident where she drowned in the pool and George helped her get rid of the evidence because he's been sexually assaulting Casey since she was a kid and now he's going to help her hide the body and make it all go away. So she left and got a job in a nightclub to save money to move her and Kaylee out of the house. It just doesn't make sense. When you listen to her lies in actual put them in order, it just doesn't work. The way that she tries to spin it and answer things and constantly go on and on, she tries to spin it to where she's not to blame, but it just doesn't ever work out and make sense. Casey says, I thought she was okay. When she says, Kay- she saw Kaylee and George's arms soaking wet and saying he will take care of it. But during the time that Casey says she was asleep, from which she was jolted awake, someone was on the internet browser at their home computer searching outfits for shot girls. And at the time, she was supposedly helping Tony Lazaro, her boyfriend, manage a group of shot girls. And maybe you can say that someone else could have been making these searches, maybe to set up Casey. But what a coincidence that this other person is making these searches for shot girls. The very thing Casey is managing behind everyone's back at this time. Because they all believe, supposedly, that she's working at Universal. So why would anyone be there on her computer when she's asleep researching outfits for shot girls? It doesn't reasonably really fit, right? Someone was using Casey's Instagram that morning, also around 8 or 8.30, uploading images from the night previous. So did Casey go back to sleep after this and then was awoken by George for Casey to then get in her car? Because from her cell phone records, she then drove around the block until George's phone left the house. And then Casey returned to the house again. And George called Casey per the phone records, but she didn't answer. But she states that he told her then that he complete completed covering things up and she never took that call to fit what she says and she was then on the internet until 4:18 when she went to tony's house and they went to blockbuster and then stayed at his place on june 30th the defense rests and casey did not take the stand in her own defense on july 5th of 2011 casey is found not guilty of murder She is found guilty of lying to a police officer and is sentenced to a few years, almost all of which she has already served while awaiting trial, and within a couple of weeks, she is released. Because she has thrown her entire family under the bus, she could not return home after the trial, and her defense team took her in, helped her get on her feet, and she eventually started working for one of her attorneys, Pat McKenna. Casey didn't really speak to the media after the trial. There was a ton of social backlash. The public was outraged at the verdict because everyone expected her to be found guilty. There had been protesters outside the Anthony home since the start of the investigation. And they continued to make their presence known after the trial. Casey tried to go back to life as if nothing happened, but things were not always easy and finding employment was quite tricky. She tried to start a freelance photography company, but received little to no job opportunities. So she began working for her defense attorney, Pat McKenna, as a research assistant. But Casey is spotted out and about at different places around Florida over the years. As far as I know, she's never been attacked or physically threatened. Some people do snap pictures and post videos online and social media. from what i could find it doesn't seem like she felt threatened being out in public her parents also did some interviews and you can find them if you're interested they honestly seem wrecked um, from this whole situation i can't imagine the emotional and mental hell that this whole situation would have been like casey's main narrative is that she is a real victim in this case and that the true perpetrator is george In this documentary, she now shifts from he's been sexually assaulting me my entire childhood until the age of 12, but it was an accident that Kaylee fell into the pool because Cindy didn't put the pool ladder away correctly to now stating that George intentionally killed Kaylee, that the sexual assault was all real and that Casey's reasoning for why she's a compulsive liar and she was afraid of her father Yet there is a video evidence of her bossing him around and being quite confrontational towards him on several occasions. And most of the time, his response is very... someone who is very shy and very trying to please her and make sure, like, keep her calm. And he just doesn't have the same textbook things that you would see with someone who is abusive. Not that he's an angel. I'm sure that he's guilty of not being perfect, but it just doesn't seem to be the case. The documentary does not present all of the details, especially anything that portrays Casey in a bad light. And when they have to show her in a bad light because of the facts of the case, they add this other narrative that Casey was abused so they can continue to make her the victim when the only victim in this case continues to be shoved aside by her own mother. Kaylee was an innocent little girl whose life was tragically cut short. I believe that Casey, acting in anger and self-entitlement, decided that enough was enough and she was going to hurt her parents in the deepest of ways. And maybe she wasn't thinking quite rationally and was careless, which resulted in an accident that was handled incredibly poorly. Allegedly. There were several hours where Casey's phone was recorded the day Kaylee is presumed to have died, driving around near the Anthony home, allegedly waiting for George to leave so she could then return, which she did before again leaving to meet up with Tony later that afternoon. Maybe during that time she waited for George to leave and she gave Kaylee something to make her drowsy. Maybe an accident occurred and Kaylee lost her life. Who was never forced to take accountability for her actions, and Casey didn't know the correct logical steps to take, and instead tried to save her own ass, and then eventually disposed of Kaylee in the swampy area where her decomposed remains would be found months later. It's so much easier to believe that Casey's innocent, that this was all just a huge misunderstanding, and she made mistakes by lying because she was scared but it's just not that. At the very least, I believe Casey should have been found guilty of negligent homicide. I know in my heart that Kaylee is at rest and at peace, and I'm so sorry to her and those that truly loved her. She did not deserve this and she deserves so much better. So, what do you think? I so much appreciate you tuning in. And I know this was a lot of information and it's such a dark subject. There's so much more to all of this um, that I just couldn't include, but I appreciate your support. So please press the like button or share the information. Please subscribe if you can, or if you haven't already, like I said, find me on social uh, so that we can chat and continue on the conversation. Um, I'd really like to keep working on this and spread the word and try to get more people involved in this community so we can try to help make a difference in some capacity. So yep, I hope to see you on the next episode. Um, Please remember to share kindness and show empathy to yourself and to others. Peace.